Trekkies, and welcome to Trek Freaks, a part of the Geek Freaks podcast family. In this podcast, we review episodes of Star Trek, starting with the original series. My name is John, and I'll be one of your hosts, joined by my brother, producer, all-around great guy, super geek, uh, Frank. How you doing, Frank? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good, good, good. Uh, what episode are we reviewing today? Today we are doing Star Trek Season 1, Episode 24, This Side of Paradise. Ooh, that was a good one. Uh, before we dive into that, though, I got a question for you that's relevant to this episode. A very broad and hard-to-answer question, I might ask. Yes. Uh, what would you sacrifice for happiness, and do you think most people would do the same? So what's funny is, for it to be considered a sacrifice, I think it would actually be something that makes you happy. And I think that's the hard part, right? Um, mm. And I you know it's unhappy. Like, what's that? You see, it have to be something that makes you unhappy for it to be sacrificed, right? Right. Well, I'm saying, like, it, for it to be considered a sacrifice, it's probably something that makes you happy right now. So, therefore, oh, to yeah. sacrifice it would then make you unhappy. Yeah. So, then how, you know, so it's such a conundrum. Um, I don't know if there is anything I would sacrifice to, to make myself happy. Yeah, but, it's yeah. hard. I, to me, I, I uh, you know, we'll get into it in this episode, but it's like, it kind of depends on how you define happiness. Uh, like in the matrix of that blind ignorance they talked about and stuff like you know would you be happy if you like the episode the cage could you live in a cage where you have you know the best foods and beautiful scenery and you know the woman of your dreams and everything taken care of but deep down inside you know you're living inside a, a fake cage that's just all an illusion you know and we find through that episode that humanity does not comply with that, is not satisfied by that. We want free will and nothing can interfere with it. Even the illusion of taking our free will will set us on fire. So, yeah. That being uh, said, okay. though, I've always said that I would totally trade on everybody else in the Matrix. And that in the cage, I'd be like, yeah, cage sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Space is dangerous. The cage is comfortable. <laughs> I mean, look around. How many people in our world do you think figured out the trick of the Matrix and then took the blue pill? Right. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, the blue pill. That's fine. Right, um, all the, all these rich people, uh, Jeff Bezos, Bezos and yeah, and uh, Tesla. What's his name? Elon Musk. Elon I mean, Musk. Yeah, these guys yeah. got that. He's that on some pills for sure. Backdoor <laughs> we access. We just don't know what color they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, at that, let's go ahead and jump into our warp speed recap. As the Enterprise arrives to an Earth colony where they expect all will have been lost due to the deadly exposure to Berthon rays, they are amazed at what they find. Not only have the colonists survived, but they are in perfect health. However, as the crew grows suspicious, they find things here must be too good to be true. It turns out a native plant projects spores onto a living host, which then changes their state of mind. Though these spores help them to survive the planet's elements, they also keep them in a calm and happy yet subdued state of mind. Is this peace and harmony, or loss of free will and human character? Once intoxicated, with a smile on their face, the crew defies direct orders and leaves their, sh- their ship to join the colony. Only Kirk is able to evade these spores, at least at first. Once intoxicated, Kirk fights himself to regain control of his mind. He learns that extreme emotions will break the spore's hold over your mind. After instigating a fight with emotional Spock to to break him free, Kirk and Spock work together to transmit a subsonic signal. This signal 
is calculated to enrage the crew and colonists on the planet. As it does, they all fight, or argue, at least for a moment, before regaining clarity. Once free of the spores, the colonists agree to follow Starfleet orders and relocate to the nearest uh, starbase. There they will remain until a new, safe planet can be selected where the colonization can begin once again. Then the Enterprise continues on her mission. I will note the planet they are on is called Omicron. Yeah. I'll touch it pretty quick because right Om- now that's a word we're hearing often. Yeah, Omicron SETI 3. Yeah. And this episode comes out, oh boy, this episode comes out like mid January and we're mm-hmm. recording it in early December. So for now, yeah. we don't know how prominent Omicron is for you right now, listener, but for us right now, we are concerned. True. I mean, we might be onto a different word like Zendithor or something. I don't know. I don't know what. Or Zeta, Zeta, Reddit Zenithor. <laughs> Sounds yeah, like know. Buzz Lightyear's villain. <laughs> move on to another letter um, in the Greek alphabet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, all right. So, what did you think of this episode overall, though? I liked it. This was definitely un- in my higher range of you know yeah. episodes. It wasn't. It had a, a you know good pace. It was engaging. It was. A, it, I wouldn't say it was my favorite per se, but it was definitely. In my top five of season one so far. Yeah, I would say, you know, I look at these episodes as either what I use as an example to try to get somebody else hooked into the series. And this is one mm-hmm. of them. This is actually yeah. a well-made, solid episode. I like that a lot. It is. Uh, all right, so let's go through uh, scene by scene, eh? Yeah. So in the beginning, we start on the bridge. Uh, we're approaching Omicron City 3, just settlement of 150 people. They've been there for three years, but they're not responding to communications. Uh, and they expect everyone's going to be dead because they figured out there's these birth old rays. I had to put on the subtitles and go back to see how you spell that word, how you even say that word, because yeah. I was I was trying to guess at it, and I'm like, birth I'm going to be so wrong. Did you look yeah. it up? Is that like a real thing or just a, a word made up by Gene? Yeah, I don't. I didn't look it up. It's, I imagine, imagine it was just made up. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so that so they they discovered that these Berthold rays eat flesh. They destroy animal flesh and I get presumably human flesh, uh, but over expo- uh, over a, a long period of exposure. So I think they said they could be there for three weeks or something like that. Yeah, three weeks or three days. Uh, I think it was. Difference. I actually think it was one week. I don't know where you're getting the three from. <laughs> but yeah, the idea is that the crew needs to quickly get down there, investigate why everybody's dead, then get out. And then mm-hmm. they were surprised to see like, oh hey, there, there's a small barn here. And oh, there's a guy walking around. Yeah, and there's they so they yeah start to uh, meet the guys, and they're surprised at how healthy they are. Right? They're like, yeah, you guys should be if you're if you're alive, you should be struggling to survive at least. Uh, but these people are in ideal health. Even uh, Bones ends up scanning them further down the episode, finding that organs that had been removed, like an appendix, had grown back, and yeah. old you know scars have been healed and stuff like that. So. These people are actually ideal physical specimens. It's yeah, insane. a little fishy. I, I was thinking immediately, I was like, okay, are they projections? But then they were like, oh, you shook his hand. Uh, projections is not a real big thing at this point in Star Trek. That's so not that, because I was thinking maybe they're like photon people. Um, and then I also was thinking, like, these guys are a cult. This is very cult vibe. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's something that they're praying to that, that will like that's steering them. A lot of mystery, and I like that when it's in Star Trek. Yeah, I like how they leave you with that little, that little taste, that little teaser right before the intro of, wait a minute, we found these guys and they're alive? Wait, 
what? That doesn't make any sense. And then you're pondering that until you get uh, into the episode more. But uh, Sulu even asks, like, uh, could they be dead? You know, they're supposed to be dead. And then he's like, well, could they? And Bones is like, no, no, you just shook his hand. He's, they're alive. The first thing I thought of was the Voyager episode with the silver blood. Do you remember that one? Oh, classic. Yeah. They go down on some, some, uh, a Y class planet or something like yeah. demon class planet. And uh, there's that silver blood that's like a living what organism and it would replicate the people and make clones of them. But it was made of that planet and had to stay in that atmosphere or near that planet until... A heartbreaker such, episode. <laughs> such a good episode. The moment you guys uh, get into Voyager, you're going to have a lot more of me guessing on the episodes, whether you like it or not. I'll right. insert myself here and there, just be like, and Frank thinks. Cut in remarks and editing. Well, my uh, photon thing came, like like the photonic, uh, I don't know, photonic, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but people made up projections is also from a Star Trek Voyager episode that I was thinking of. It was the um, yeah. one of the uh, Tom Paris adventures, whatever. Where, uh, mm. remember where the doctor had to be president to represent the <laughs> Earth? Oh yeah. my god. I when when those, so um, they're not Bolians, but that, that one race of guys was spying on the ship, but they would spy through the doctors. Oh, that's a different episode that I'm thinking of, but that's also a good one. But I'm thinking of uh, the one where, uh, what was, what was Voyager's, or what was Tom Paris's and Harry Kim's, like, adventure show they used to do, black and white adventure show? Um, that is a good question. It's on the tip of my tongue too. i know we've, we've got people screaming at their, their ipod right <laughs> yeah. now. unsubscribe unsubscribe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> throwing their phones oh gosh nevertheless they're doing that there is a race of people that are light based that sees that as real life because it's also light based right it's projection in the holodeck oh yeah so yeah. it is like getting in there and attacking and then so the the doctor well this is totally off topic now at this point but the doctor <laughs> pretends to be a president to talk to them and he's wearing like the, what the president would wear in the 1930s mm. <laughs> and it's just meeting them out in some sort of cavernous desert and it's just it's wonderful it's a delight yeah, yeah i'm still trying to think what what Tom I and Harry's... <laughs> i'll look it up by the end of this like, episode for sure uh, buster i don't know i can't remember um but yeah i remember that episode that was a good one they were they were like Demons from the fifth dimension or something like that because there was a rift in the... Well, and that's like the the name you'd give to a 30 radi- 30s radio show. It's like, the demons yeah. from the third dimension or something like that, you know? <laughs> we uh, have, keep going, yeah. I'll look it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so then we see the intro, which is always good. And I talked to Kevin before. The intro, sometimes the sound is, is better or worse. And this one, okay. I think, was a little more clear. Um, so we come back to the settlement. The men are getting acquainted and uh, they offer to show them around. But the crew is very skeptical, you know, why these guys are alive. Uh, they meet Layla, who is their botanist. Looks, I mean, for a botanist, she's like probably 22-year-old blonde woman. I'm surprised, you know. Usually you got to study for a long time to become a botanist, I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, she seems young for a botanist. Uh, but right away, they do the whole backlight and the soft, you know, glow and all that stuff. And she's meant to be this, you know, beautiful... They always, yeah, it's the diffusion. It's it's a it's a time in the sixties. They did it with everybody, and they did it a lot before then. The diffusion. I just watched. Uh, it's a wonderful life, and oh mm-hmm. boy, that the lighting guy had a field day with that one. And right. and, and on the Star Trek, so they do diffusion, and they always do the the heavy shadows on Kirk, where it's yeah. just like with Make just his intense. eyes lit up, like dramatic. You know, not like he needs it. By the way, the Adventures of Captain Proton. That's it. Jesus Christ, <laughs> uh, Captain Proton. I I almost I. I they have uh, the, the Delta Flyers podcast. Yeah. God. The Delta Flyers podcast have a couple uh, shirts and stuff that have like 
their versions of the you know ship and stuff like that on it i'm totally gonna get one of those sometime soon oh that's that's awesome <laughs> yeah uh all right so <laughs> sorry we meet uh layla and so right away her and and spock have this connection because she knew spock i guess dated spock on earth long ago and it definitely sounds like it was a one-sided affair because she you know still interested in him and he was never really too romantically interested in her which is surprising that spock engaging in a relationship that's not uh, I don't know, not logical, not, not, uh, well, I mean, he's, that's, I think this is a good episode to kind of explore that. It's not that Vulcans don't have emotion, right? We know that now as, as kind of future Star Trek goes into it a lot farther. This mm. might be the first time we're really kind of exploring that where it's like, yeah, he has romantic interests. It's just that he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve. They're deep in, so he suppresses them purposely. You know? Yeah. And especially and being problem- partial human is very tricky for him. Because yeah. he has that temptation to show up more than others. So I would think as a Vulcan, it would, they would be more into like arranged marriages more or less, but they would arrange it themselves. But it's like, hey, you, you know, you're a perfect physical specimen. You've reached this level of success in your career or whatever. I choose you to, to marry. Here's the documents. You know, let's, you know, sign them and move on kind of thing. Or something that is logic, you know, logic based, not yeah, just like, like oh, she's, she's cute. Sense, bleep, bleep, you know? Yeah, exactly. But but we saw earlier, I mean, like we know in the movies they do hook up, but there's definitely that flirtation between Spock and Ahura. Yeah. So Which again there. is like seems illogical to me. She's not she doesn't share his, you know, interests or his uh perspective, but maybe that's what he wants, is someone to challenge his perspective and yeah. make him think outside the box, think in a human manner more often. Cause she's definitely a, a representation of the human culture yeah but uh anyway so they had this thing going on in the past and so that when she walks in i noticed this was kind of a this this took the episode down just a small notch is it the camera shows her standing and then she walks forward like somebody just gave her her cue and she stops at a tape mark i'm sure and then she stops again and then like says her or smiles or says her line like that scene it just should have been reshot it was very obvious that it was just hey walk hey stop hey walk now say your thing okay <laughs> like this episode guys. in general i think was kind of while i think it was a very well done episode i actually like this was quite a bit i mm-hmm. felt that this episode was a budget episode i mean it was all on farm right yeah the 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 enterprise the sets were definitely ones was, we've seen you know so yeah. it's not like they made anything new for this yeah the only complicated thing was the uh the plants but those came out really good i think they probably those put... were straight well if you look at very carefully the leaves those are like straight up cut out of styrofoam yeah they were oh, you know, yeah so it was it wasn't the, too good the, big, to make the giant succulent leaves <laughs> yeah um all right so yeah after we meet her um uh, we talked to elias he's there he's the father of of uh, layla and he's there um is he the father or just like her commander i, I think he's I think he introduced her. Now, now you get me thinking about that. I think he introduced her as his daughter. Um, but I remember he also saying that she's their botanist. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they're not related. Yeah. I can't remember now. I did. I did actually watch this and do my notes like almost a week ago. So usually I'll I'll do it just the day before so that it's super fresh yeah. in my brain. I watched it like <laughs> two that. hours ago, so I'm fresh on it. Nice, nice. Uh, so Elias says that their philosophy is, a, is of a simpler life. Uh, and they live in harmony and peace. Yeah. And, you know, so again, we're, we're kind of like 
how is this possible? You guys shouldn't be surviving, and yet you and have real cult vibes too. Because I mean, yeah, the way they're all dressed the same, they're all kind of like, hey, you know, join us, we're happy. Yeah, it felt very, you know, very culty. Uh, so, so the crew goes and starts uh, doing their scans because they're there to scan the effects of the Berthon rays and or Berthold rays, whatever, yeah. and see you know how it's affecting the people and their their equipment and stuff like that. Uh, so it was pretty funny, right? As soon as they start scanning stuff, they see that barn. They realize there's no animals in it, and they're looking around like, "Wait a minute, yeah, there's no animals. Period on this planet. This is not normal. There should be some other forms of life other than the humans. Yeah, uh, even just to sustain the ecosystem." Uh, but then Sulu is sitting on a rail uh, next to a plant, and he's he's saying this line that's total foreshadowing. Uh, he says something like, "Yeah, I don't know what would cause that, but then again, what would I know? You know, I." I would know if it was two feet uh, away from me, uh, you know, what was causing Good this. catch. I didn't catch and, that. Yeah. And so just two two feet closer to the camera was the first of those plants that we see. And I noticed like, hey, that's a funny looking plant. And they're talking about how there's nothing, you know, nothing living, which no animals. Right. Um, so right away I was like, oh yeah, that's foreshadowing. These plants have something to do with it. I did not uh, even catch that. Good catch. Ah, uh, yeah, that was funny. Oh, so then uh, we see Elias. Th- we start to see there's something something shady going on here. Mm-hmm. We see Elias talking to Layla alone. He's asking her about Spock and their relationship a little, trying to see how she feels about him. Uh, and you know, he asks like, "Do you want him to stay with us?" She says, "There's no choice. He will stay." But like, oh snap! That's you know, obviously they're gonna impose their will on him at some right. point. Right. And then there's a le- a level of um, I think what her. Like her happiness is driving her, and her happiness is Spock at this point. We're being told basically she really liked that relationship. So I think it's like mm. for my happiness. So she has like this extra drive because I think the spore is also driving her. Like, ooh, we could capture that happiness. He's right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, so we see we hear from Bones because he's been scanning the the crew of the colony, the colonists, and uh, finding that they're just too healthy. That doesn't make sense. Uh, that's where we found out, you know, organs that had been removed, like uh, appendix, have grown back. And yeah. like, you know, tonsils and stuff like that, just 100%. Uh, Elias takes Kirk to go show him his crops and looking at his crops and they're growing good. But the, the, they realize, well, they realize later that there's not even any insects in the soil. Like, how is this Right, and, and the crops too, like, they're not expanding at all. Like, it's just, uh, just enough food to support the, the colony there. So they're not, so I was thinking, you know, at this point, we don't know it's the plants 100%. Well, you, you caught it, but I didn't. Uh, so I have a feeling the plants are like, okay, this is enough to keep you guys happy. You guys are basically like we're parasitic kind of thing. So we need the mm-hmm. host. But we also don't want you guys to expand so much that you're actually going to take out more crops, to take out our plants to plant more crops kind of thing. So yeah. it was just like allotting them this one square to, to stay in. Yeah. And that, that makes sense when we learn that it's the plants controlling them because the plants, yeah, they, they don't want to be terraformed exactly. or anything like that. Yeah. But as we see as colonists, they're there to expand and grow and populate and make a colony where they can, you know, more people can come and live comfortably. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's one of the, I think it was one of the random crewmen comes up and uh, points that out that, that, yeah, that. They have great looking crops, but they just barely make enough to sustain themselves. Uh, so we see Layla's trying to connect with uh, Spock and, you know, relate with him again and, and hopefully bring up old emotions, I guess. 
Uh, but at this scene, I noticed, and then I noticed it for the rest of the episode, almost every time, probably, probably every time, they're outside, they do a voiceover. And they do like a pretty heavy voice. Like it's, it's pretty easy to tell it's a voiceover most of the time. And, that, and I realized at one scene when you could see the background pretty clear, they had pretty bad wind. These poor guys were filming out on a farm in the middle of nowhere with trees blowing in the wind. So obviously, they had to go back and voice over all like pretty much the whole episode. It's it's really common in all filming. It's called ADR when you do that. And yeah. nowadays we have the technologies of that to make it almost seamless. But yeah, mm. in this episode back in those days, it was more manual, more analog. But yeah, ADR automatic uh, dialogue replacement. Yeah, I think that's what the I A. But yeah. It, it was bad, and I, I can't imagine, like, can you imagine, like, trying to recapture those emotions of being out there and, like, uh, you're, all right, Spock, so you are Spock, so you try to have no, no emotion, and now you're falling in love, so now you have to have emotion. Ford <laughs> Leonard Nemo is just like, seriously, guys, you guys can get this on the one freaking take, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And are you watching yourself so that you can try to mimic your, the timing with your lip movement? Because that would be hard. In this case, I think they, at, at this time, they probably would be, yeah. Yeah. I know on, on other podcasts, I heard them call it looping because they have to say the lines over and over again. They yep. loop it. They repeat them, you know, five or 10 times so that they try to say it a little different, you know, pace or whatever and can be the right one can be picked out or the best one. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a lot of work. That seems like more work than just actually acting out the scene. Yeah. But I mean, if it's a windy day, yeah. Editing must've been hell on this episode in general, just recording outside like that. Yeah. Uh, so we go to Elias's house. Uh, Kirk informs him that Starfleet Command has ordered the colonists to evacuate. And Elias says, hey, our people are doing good. We're not going nowhere. Sorry, partner. And it's funny because, like, we, you know, Kirk and them know, like, you guys are lucky to be alive. You shouldn't be alive. But the, Elias understands, like, no, no, no. We're 100% okay. We're not leaving. And when you look back at and later, uh, when you <laughs> when you look back at it from later on when you know what's going on, yeah. You realize he's not mad. He doesn't show emotion when most people would would like bark back and and want to fight right there to protect their their stake in this colony and all that stuff. Uh but he is very peaceful and patient and just yeah. tells him like, yeah, no, I'm sorry, but we're not going to go. And uh we yeah. later on realize that if he had volatile emotions at that time, that would the that would have uh made him break free of the spores. So I think the spores know that and they that's part of why they keep them calm. And then my question to you is, so at that point, does the guy basically saying, okay, we're leaving Starfleet then? And what is, mm. what does Kirk have any, he doesn't have any control over them at that point. That's a good point. I never thought about that because like we see later, the crew just walks off the Enterprise or beams off the Enterprise and says, yeah, yeah sorry, we're, we're, this is a mutiny. We're abandoning ship kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if they choose to leave Starfleet, I mean, I guess it's a Starfleet colony and Starfleet resources that are there. So if they choose to leave, yeah. they need to abandon all the resources. But who's going to come in and implement that? Yeah, it, to me, it just kind of felt like well, because at this point, Kirk doesn't know that there's anything wrong. He just thinks that everybody's like doing great. Yeah. And, if anything, you know. And then so I was just kind of like, well, then why? What is your right to take them off the off the planet? They're good where they're at, you know. So yeah, I just kind of wonder and what's going on to that. Especially if you don't know that they're being controlled by a drug or right. a plant. It's like, yeah, these people are doing really good. Whatever it is, if it is a cult and they figured out some weird kind of meditation they do or something, whatever, uh, maybe they do ritual bleeding or something. I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is, these people seem really happy. Um, So if they're in a, you know, coherent, if they're clear, clear in the head, then 
who has any right to tell them they need to stop what they're doing and leave. Yeah, exactly. They, they found a way to be at peace. Um, okay, so then we go back to the fields with Layla and Spock. Uh, she shows him these plants uh, that, that spray some kind of spore, right? So these right. weird plants we saw by Sulu sprays him in the face. Uh, he Pretty gets aggressively too, by the way, I will say. I mean, it, hey, props yeah. for the part, but come on, can we not just like have a little cannon blow up in front of our actor's face? It'd be great. <laughs> right, yeah, that was probably a little bit uh, dangerous. How, how do you calculate <laughs> the right air pressure to put behind that? Yeah, all right, Leonard, time for take 17. Go ahead, do it again. <laughs> Son of a <laughs> He's literally choking with the stuff in his sinuses and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this whatever white white powder they put in there. Yeah. Um so he, he tries to fight it, uh the the intoxication from this plant. And Layla even tells him, like, oh, it's not supposed to hurt, it's supposed to be very, you know, calm and, and relaxing or relieving or whatever. And he's like, Yeah, but I'm not like you, and which is very true. His brain could literally literally lobotomize itself from an illogical situation. Um, so he's trying to fight to just keep control of his mind. Doesn't work. A few seconds later, he subdues and is, you know, free and, uh, well, not free, but right. Uh, he's actually at enslaved. peace. Yeah. Yeah. So enslaved. here's the thing that it's very important to remember. Later on, Kirk will fight back too, and succeed. Mm -hmm. And here's yeah. and it doesn't work. It it does not work for while I think Spock is generally stronger than Kirk. It doesn't work for Spock because he tries to subdue the emotion mm -hmm. while Kirk uses a different emotion. To, to do yeah. it. something Kirk or Spock wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. So that's why Kirk was able to fight it off. That's true. Yeah. Kirk Kirk will will exploit his emotions, utilize his emotions right. and run with them while Spock will fight his emotion and fight the, the other <laughs> Yeah, fight the yeah. That's it's all bad. Um let's see. Where were we? <laughs> uh Spock ends up calling in basically. He's refusing to he's basically gonna refuse Kirk, right? And then yeah. I like how at this point Kirk is kind of like, "What? That's weird." And Bones shows concern, and Kirk almost jokes around like, "Oh, I thought you wanted him to be a little bit more like jovial and stuff like that," which I thought was kind of this almost like, uh, almost like a brotherly thing going on between the two of them. Yeah, which I yeah. I absolutely love every time you get get a Spock uh, Bones conversation. Like earlier when Kirk was talking, you actually had Spock on one side of his shoulder and <laughs> Bones on the other side. Like the angel and devil over Kurt, and both of them had opposing ideas of what to do. The relationship yeah. between those two were fun, and yeah, the fact that he's like, "Oh, I just thought you wanted him different," and it was just, it was, it was a cool scene. Yeah, I, I was thinking too when we saw these plants. Why did they miss this again? They they miss a lot of stuff with their super high tech, you know, future technology. How did they miss this when they scanned the planet? Did they not recognize this as a a threat? I mean, and even just like walking around and scanning, Sulu was sitting right next to one. They were scanning all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But it seems like these, these plants would be kind of a big deal. You would recognize them somehow. Well, they, the, okay, so from outside the planet, they wouldn't have recognized it because of the radiation. That's why they didn't recognize life signs either. But on True. the planet, yeah, why are they not recognizing, like, hey, these weird plants, uh, for some reason, they share some DNA that's now part of the freaking humans. You know, there yeah. could have been something there. I think tricorders get a little more advanced in the future. Yeah, they must. And and again with Bones, like we've seen in early early season episodes, he redeemed himself recently at one point. He did something smart, but early episodes, it's like, oh yeah, I just don't understand what's going on here. There's no reason that this should be that way. He, he, the guy should be in perfect health. For some reason, he just died. Come on, dude. You're scanning all these people <laughs> that are in absolute perfect health, but you have to be able to find that these spores are in their sinuses or in their bloodstream or something. There's got to be, yeah, but yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll blame tricorders. We have 
Yeah. Enough tricorder data to blindly follow it, but not enough to be useful yet. Yeah, Bones Bones is the perfect doctor for Kirk's ship. Where they're both kind mm-hmm. of like space cowboys and like, oh, yeah. we'll figure it out. Let's just shoot at it first. You know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. So then they uh go to find Spock. They find him and Layla kind of playing around laying in the grass and stuff like that. I think we kind of talked about this a little bit. Yeah. But Kirk tells Sulu, uh, you know, Spock is under arrest and, and he's under your your orders or whatever, under your, uh, I don't know. Yeah, under your he's, orders. He's until under we, arrest, yeah. Yeah. Uh, until we get back to the ship. So what should Sulu do at that moment when he's given those orders? Good to arrest freaking Spock. Lux, bust up the sword, Sulu. That's the only advantage you have over Spock. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's a well, tough one. Like, okay, yeah. Can you give me some additional help, please? Because <laughs> Spock is notoriously strong. Spock is not angry. He's not uh, aggressive. He's not ready to fight. Yeah. He is peaceful and calm. So he seems like he should be arrestable, right? You should be able to detain sure. him if he gets angry because he does have emotions at this point with this drug uh, or the spores. If he gets angry, that will break him free. But Sulu doesn't even try to grab him. Spock jumps down and starts wandering away. And then they just follow him slowly, like patiently. Like, yeah. dude, th- okay, that guy's a, now a, a prisoner under arrest because he's d- disobeying orders and not acting himself. And yet you don't even try to grab him. You just let him I will say, I mean, I kind of wish that's how things work nowadays, right? <laughs> Where, <laughs> like if somebody's upset, like, okay, well, let's figure out why you're upset instead of just be like, tackle to the ground. <laughs> you know? yeah, so then there might be something that it's actually not bad, but yeah. yeah. Um, Cause, cause Spock is saying like, oh, check this out. This will kind of clarify things. And so I think there's a level of like, all right, well, if he, if he wants to defend himself, let's see what he's talking about. I see. Yeah. So he's saying, you know, let me show you what makes me so peaceful and happy right now. And there might be some magic orb or a beautiful waterfall or something like that that he saw that brought up, brought, brought upon this, a yeah. fountain of youth or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Come to find out it was crazy spores. Yeah. Uh, so he brings the crew over there. Uh, it was Sulu and one other crewman. I don't uh, he, I think he was unnamed. He, he wasn't okay. he had seen before. Okay. So they both got sprayed in the face. Kirk was standing with them, but he was just a little bit further back and I think he got missed completely. I put that in my notes. I think this stuff might be super directional too, because like practical effects wise, he definitely got hit. Like we saw some get on him, but I think yeah. the idea is that like the spores attacked Sulu and the other guy. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. like just like in this area now, you know, I think they were like, okay, now we want to grab the Sulu guy. Kind of thing. Yeah. And well, cause they're also launched with like some, some projectile pressure. Right. So they right. must, might have to get like shot up your sinuses or, you know, to actually Likely. affect, yeah. I don't know. But uh, I for will a say plant too, to be able to do that successfully is crazy. We also saw that it's it's not part of this scene, but I want to make sure to throw it on the side here. Desau is um he's preparing plants to be transported because they're they're taking plants mm-hmm. off the or out of the ground, and he's actually bundling the roots to take them to other planets, possibly even Earth. So yeah. these plants, like a parasite, are wanting to spread, and mm-hmm. we find out either later or now, or whatever they travel through space. So I wonder if the idea is that they need the host to make them travel through space. Because I was like, well, how the hell does a spore travel through space? That doesn't make any yeah. sense. So and, I wonder if they cra- <laughs> right. Yeah. I wonder if they came from another planet on a ship to this planet. Yeah. Just as those been, spores are about to transport to another planet as well. Yeah, they could have. Uh, the colonists could have picked them up on their way somehow. You know, interacting with other other ships on their way or something. Yeah, or or yeah, or a species from two hundred years ago or something like that had brought them to yeah. this planet and already died off. True, true. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't think about that. 
I, I did I do remember later talks about them coming from space, but I didn't think about how like yeah if they were just floating in space they would have burnt up in the atmosphere, or have no wind to move in space. Yeah, they're not floating. They're just you know, yeah, standing. But anyways, yeah. Uh, so Bones is is currently beaming the plants up to the ship after at that point, and we see uh, Kurt catches up with him. Bones is already intoxicated. Um, I love intoxicated Bones. He is like, oh, yeah. he's transformed to maybe a Southern draw to full on. I'm from Georgia, Southern draw, small town doctor <laughs> with a mint julep. <laughs> he, yeah. he somehow just like reverted back to like mid 1800s doctor. I loved it. Yeah. So much accent. You can almost can't understand him. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Kirk interjects with his beaming process and, and beams back to the ship himself. There he finds Ahura has already been taken by the by the spores and uh not only that but she short-circuited all the communication systems which was really messed up they they were trying to reach out to starfleet and get some support on this as uh, she only left the uh ship to ground uh systems of uh working i guess shows how advanced the spores are they're not just inducing happiness but they're actually directing people to do things yeah they're really smart like you're saying they're trying to get on the ship to go to potentially go to another planet yeah without warning um, yeah yeah uh, so all of the crew lines up outside the uh, transporter room because they're everybody's, everybody's now intoxicated and they're beaming down to the planet. They're going to join the colony. Kirk uh, talks to one of the crewmen and says, you know, get, get back to your station. You know, this is mutiny. And he, the guy smiles and says, you know, sorry, Captain, this is mutiny or something like that. Like, you know, agrees that it's mutiny and we're going to go down anyways. Uh, so presumably they're all just going to go join the colonists and live with the spores and be happy. Yeah. Uh, he calls Bones, and Bones is no help. He's trying to figure out, you know, what to do and how to, how to, you know, stop these spores from taking everybody. Um, but Kirk realizes at this point now, now that it's gotten on the ship, it's gotten everybody that's on the planet. He's literally the only person that hasn't been affected by him yet. So, and there, oh, good. I w- I want to make sure to to just mention because I, I do like to pay attention to the shots and the sounds and stuff like that. And at this point, they make sure to use a wide angle shot on Kirk alone on the bridge. They do a panning mm. shot that shows all the instrument panels and the empty chairs, and then it's one mm. solid shot, and then it leads up to his face, and he does a supplemental thing. He does his own captain's log, and he makes sure, like, he's, he's in a train of thought, and then he stops for a moment, almost as, a, like, a side tangent, says, I've never realized how big and, and, and silent the ship can be, and then goes back mm. to his conversation. So I think what we're seeing here, it's kind of a side thing from the happiness, is Kirk is lonely. Mm-hmm. And I and part of the joy from the spores is community, because they have this yeah. happy little community over there. Everybody's joining the community. We it's brought up later on by Spock too, uh, with just a quick one liner. Um, and I think we're seeing that Kirk is almost jealous and sad that he can't be with his friends right now. And mm-hmm. it's something that as a captain you're always a little bit lonely. But the, there's the hum of the ship; it's always active. And they made sure to use that wide shot to show that like he's by himself for the first time in a very long time. Yeah, and so after that, uh, I think he's he's still scratching his head trying to find a solution. So he beams back down to the surface and goes to talk to Elias again. At this point, I'm surprised that people don't just grab him and like hold him to a plant, and make him you know uh, that'd get be aggressive. Or that'd be that'd be too aggressive. True, true, true. They're very yeah. calm. Um, so I was wondering, do I, I think everybody had already beamed off the ship at this point? So how does he beam himself back and forth? I didn't you realize know? he when you're saying that I didn't realize he beamed back down and then back up. I missed that part. Yeah, 
because this is the scene now where uh, he's at Elias's house talking to Elias and Spock, and they explain that the plants came from space, and that you know they they yeah, live in the right. host and uh, give them perfect uh, peace of mind, that no needs are are not met, and all that stuff. So I think that uh, happened before everybody left the ship, though, because I have it written in different order. Oh, uh, okay, maybe. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah I have the I, space spores. Then I got the 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 empty bridge. Everybody leaving thing after that. So I think that's what it is. I think there's still people on the ship. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I even put that in my notes. How does he beam back and forth? Because but yeah, they must have still been beaming people off the ship or something when he went back and forth. When Ahura says like you know, ha ha ha, I broke into the communications. He takes a plant and he throws it in the middle of the bridge, angry with it. Yeah. And then there's the part where he's empty on the bridge and he's doing his captain's log, and then he gets blasted mm-hmm. again by a spore, and this time it takes. Yeah, so that's a little past this uh, conversation about space. I'm probably just too far behind. I'm going <laughs> too slow. I just think it's a little bit mixed up right now, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. In my notes that I have that the ship is vacant and he's all alone. Oh, so uh, if they are, if he's the only one on the ship, how long can the ship stay? He says several I... months. It, he says it could stay in orbit for several months by himself, but he can't fly anywhere with it. Yeah, so we've had two episodes now where somebody locks up engineering and oops the ship's gonna crash into a planet now because you know we can't maintain it anymore i'm surprised uh, surprised not surprised like they make it look really convenient that the ship can just stay in orbit on autopilot for i think is you know several months um but to be fair there's no sabotage at play right now everybody's happy and, and just going right. willingly I think in those other two episodes, there was sabotage to make the ship crash. And we see in future Star Treks that this ship can definitely be piloted by one person. But yeah. it's just that this, you know, again, Voyager, the year of hell. But um, mm. yeah, so I think it's just something that as technology advances, the ship becomes controllable by just the front uh, panel. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so like you're saying, he was on the bridge, got sprayed in the face by a spore, finally, after evading him for so long. Uh, and then he's trying to fight the control of of the spores yep. uh, he ends up telling himself no i can't leave as he's he starts you know packing his bag getting right, ready right. to go even tells spock that he's beaming down uh spock or bones mm-hmm. um then he says no i can't leave and fights it um and as he's fighting he's thinking i i imagine he considers the emotion of anger and and yeah uh, Kind of makes a plan with that. I think it was brought so, up by that that metal that he was looking at, which I couldn't necessarily figure out where that metal was from. I'm sure he has plenty of them, but I think yeah. there was a, like a level of nostalgia that kind of dredged up some emotion, and then you mm-hmm. know because they made sure to do a long shot on that that metal, so it, it's important from something. And I noticed, like you're talking about the camera angles and stuff, when he's saying, "You know, no, I can't leave." They did a really good kind of pan to an over the shoulder shot yeah. that where he was. You know, fighting with those emotions. And really, if we're mentioning so. that too, the lighting is changing dramatically from when he was alone and sad on the bridge to when he was happy. Mm-hmm. They made sure to brighten that dark side of his face immediately yeah. when he got hit by the, the thing, and he like started to smile. They put a uh, they put a light right there on that side of his face, and then here mm-hmm. while he's doing it, the lighting is changing quite a bit. So they're using the lighting to depict whether or not he's sad or happy. Yeah, that's, that's pretty uh pretty cool. They like their lighting. Yeah. <laughs> um. So at this point, now Kirk is able to break free and he puts together a plan that, okay, the, being mad, this, this extreme, you know, anger and fighting myself is, I think, what, what you know, stopped the sports control. Right. So he convinces Spock to beam aboard. He says, yeah, I need to bring some more things down. I'm coming. I'm going to join you guys, but I need help uh, packing some stuff. 
So, or uh, some instruments, I think it was. He's like, we want to we want to take some technology off the ship before we abandon it forever. Uh, so Spock beams up, and Kirk is holding a but I, I just call it a space bat because I had a space club, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it was just like this metal pipe that we use for you know scientific research. I have in my hand. <laughs> Right, I don't know. I mean, yeah. They, oh yeah, they don't even have replicators at this point, so they must have just had that, you know, hanging by a door somewhere. You never know when you need the space club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he insults Spock over and over again, trying to incite rage, calling him a half breed and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, which half breed is normally a trigger for Spock. It's something he does not appreciate. Uh, yeah, especially in the newer iterations. Looking back, he's not happy with that one. And it's when and he with, starts talking shit about Vulcan is when he's like, "Uh, no, bro," and is not happy yeah. with it. And so in this episode, they do call it Vulcan, right? He's from Planet Vulcan. He is a Vulcan. Yeah, well, he's I a Vulcanian from Planet Vulcan. Is in, that okay? Because in, in, in these previous episodes, anyways, you know. Yeah, in previous ones, they said Vulcanian. And then I want to say in this one, he just said Vulcan. And so it just keeps switching back and forth. Yeah. Either way, it's going to be Navarre anyway. I'm sure. One of, you know, <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> I cannot wait for Discovery to actually start calling it Vulcan again. I'm hoping that like when they join the Federation, they're like, and we return to our name Vulcan, which I know the Romulans would be like, um, now wait a minute, you know, but still, yeah. there's a reason that they're Navar now, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'll stay. It's way. But I'm, I'm loving, I just finally got caught up on, uh, yeah, on. I got to watch, uh, what, yesterday or the day before this episode. I still have to watch that one. But, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I will say during this fight too, um, clearly Kirk's double. They didn't even try to oh, hide yeah. it. It oh, was just God. like some Once kid. Again. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never noticed that before until a couple episodes ago. I saw I saw it was Kirk's double and I was like, wait a minute, that's like blatant and super obvious. Yeah. How is how was anybody like fooled by that? <laughs> but you think this was on old TVs back in the day, you probably couldn't see his face clearly when it was a close up, so <laughs> let alone be an lighting. action scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um so it was a uh fight scene, you know, they fight back and forth a little bit. It was a little a little weak, a little bit fake, like you could say. Yeah, yeah. You could see see it was his double. Um, but it was mainly just to get that, that raw emotion out of Spock. And it's funny because with this drug, he's more emotional, obviously. He's playing and happy and, and all that stuff. Um, but it was still hard to get him to, to draw these extreme emotions because not only is yeah. he Vulcan that would normally suppress emotions, but now with this drug, uh, he's uh, happy and subdued and like peaceful. Right. So really to bring out an extreme emotion still was a lot of work for Kirk. But after they fight for a little while, uh, before Spock pretty much kills Kirk, he stops him for a second and, and uh, he's able to regain his focus and realizes that he broke free of the spores control and is clear, clear-minded again. Now, I will uh, say at this point, he almost feels, looks sad. He almost seems sad to be a, a free of the control of the spore. And he says the, lo- uh, the line which reflects back to how Kirk was alone on the bridge, he says, I no longer belong. And the, mm. later on, uh, when I think her name is Lalana or whatever, comes up and it talks about, you don't belong with us anymore. And so again, it's that Spore's happiness, but is also community. And so he's almost sad that he's like, I don't belong in the happy community. And the yeah. final, uh, by the way, the final line of this episode is just heart-wrenching sad. We'll talk about I that. Remember, I hope to- it's in my notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, I'll just say it right now. The final line said in this entire episode is, for the first time in my life, I was happy. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I was like, uh, I cut to credits. Like, oh my God, somebody <laughs> go talk to Kirk or Spock. He needs the help. Right. <laughs> That's so uh, sad. That, that is. Yeah. And 
that leads to a later question that I'll dive into, but I know we're running out of time anyways. Yeah, I'm know, going I know. too long. <laughs> I've been um, so yeah. No, no, no. We're, this is great. But he, so he broke free. So the two of them work together to make the subsonic transmitter. So their plan is that they send out this frequency that's going to make people enraged and they'll, they'll fight on the planet and that'll, that'll free them of the, the control of the drug. Um, one, one thing I want to know, I even put a quote in here, uh, before they leave the transporter room, Spock says to Kirk, striking a fellow officer, uh, is a court martial offense. Yeah. And, uh, Kirk says, if we're both in the brig, who's going to uh, build a subsonic transmitter? And then Spock says, that's quite logical, captain. My question, is that logical? The fact that, uh, yeah, they can't do what they need to do, but they, they, it doesn't sound like it's a logical thing. It's more like a emotional or it it felt like a thing. weirdly placed joke to me, and it yeah. was like maybe it was an attempt to like say like oh he's back to being logical kind of thing like that. But it just felt like a really weird placed joke. It was like we have things to do. Why are we talking about this right now? Yeah. Um, I I think it was Spock's way of saying I'm sorry that I I fought you or or attacked yeah, you. Yeah, probably because he's saying you know hey this is you, you can hold me accountable for for you know beating you up just now. And the Kirk's like, well, you know, we're, we both would be in trouble. So, you know, we got work to do. Let's just put our nose down and get our work done kind yeah. of thing. So I think it was, you know, an apology and, you know, don't worry, bro, we're, we're good. But the fact that he says it, you know, oh, it's quite logical. That made me think like, I don't think that's really yeah. logical. I mean, you guys broke, broke the law. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I, 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 will, I want to mention too, before we get into the whole subsonic uh, transmission to the planet, there's a part mm-hmm. where they actually beam up. Is her name Lalana? Layla. Layla, thank you. Uh, they want to beam up Layla, and Spock's a little sad about bringing her up as well because there is that past relationship. Um, Kirk mentions, and this is super advanced for the 60s, uh, mm-hmm. he kind of does it in passing. He's like, by the way, when you talk to her, and she's still under that sp- the spore, and then he's like, I understand, Captain. So I, what I took it was almost like, hey, remember, you don't have consent because she's not herself right now. Not that, not necessarily oh, consent in the way we're thinking consent nowadays, but just yeah. like remember, her love for you is clouded because she's under the spore. So calculate yeah. that in your logic, you know. Yeah. And so I just thought that right. was that was pretty advanced for for sixty television right there. Yeah, yeah, and that, I got that. Like, yeah, not to the extreme that we would expect today, but that yeah, she her infatuation with you could just be con. You know, contributed to the they, spores. Yeah, it's it's her happiness of the year relationship exasperated. And what I like yeah. is her emotion. It wasn't anger. It was purely sadness of their past relationship that broke her spore, not yeah. anger, which was kind of just yeah. like, oh yeah, here's another one for you. That was pretty cool. So, so yeah, he beams her up. Uh, they talk for a minute. She realizes he's not under the control of the spores anymore. So she he's no longer one of them. And then he explains that you know he that you know they're not going to have a relationship or whatever, which makes her really sad and breaks her free. Yeah. I like when she breaks free, she also tells him, uh, I don't remember, how, I didn't write down how she worded it, but that she still loves him yeah. with spores or no spores. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of kind of cute. I kind of want these kids to make it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, can we, can we she nice. just stay part of the ship now? <laughs> yeah. And we always see uh, Kirk as like the, the perfect male specimen that's the desired by all women, but it's nice to see a little romance for Spock sometimes yeah. too, that he is... Though he's, you know, cold and logical, he's also, you know... He's a catch. Uh, liked by somebody, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I noted here, too, that I do feel like her acting, uh, this Layla, her acting definitely got better later on in the episode. 
Uh, I mean, in this scene, it was it was some extreme emotion needed to be portrayed, and she did a good job with it. So oh, early on, I was kind of just like, eh, she seems stale to me. But this is also an episode scene. where Kirk got to stretch his back because there's yeah. the whole like monologue to himself where he's like, "Finally, I am alone." Like he's doing the classic <laughs> Captain Kirk making fun of kind of thing. Or just like, <laughs> yeah. okay, bro. And they even like zoomed in the camera as they're doing it, and I was like, "You're not getting it, Emmy. Just calm down." <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah. So in the classic Star Trek way, the end of the episode wraps up really quick. And it must have got past that last commercial break. Uh, so Kirk and Spock finish the transmitter. They activate it. Everyone starts to fight. Uh, just, you know, briefly, they pick little fights with each other. Um, once they break free of the spores, they kind of wake up and stop fighting. Um, so we see Elias, after fighting with Bones for a minute, uh, calls up to the ship and arranges for Kirk to start beaming. Uh, his people up so that they can get relocated to a, a nearby uh, starbase. God, I was thinking space station. I know it's not a space station. But no, starbase. Star yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kirk gets a little poetic and then Spock admits that's, I did put it in my notes. See, <laughs> Spock admits <laughs> for the first time he felt happy and that's it. That's the end. But yeah, uh, yeah that was a, that was a sad end to the episode. Yeah. So, just that line at the end made me like boom mind blown the next ship that comes along because you know these guys got no stuff buoys, to do but... by the way i was like you guys are not gonna put a buoy out like right? stay away from planet <laughs> yeah. yeah but you know our second contact ship when the cerritos gets there they should uh should they not gather the spores from these plants you know in hazmat suits so that they yeah. don't get intoxicated and create some kind of drug out of this stuff? Oh, no. That would it help? It would not be Starfleet. It's totally Ferengi. Would be over there oh, and making right. themselves a little drug out of this thing. And, you know, <laughs> some acquisition going on. Yeah. yeah. That's profitable. <laughs> yes, it Cause, is. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, you wouldn't want to just make it the raw drug of itself. But if you can separate, like, the controlling part with the peaceful part. And you would sell this drug that is, you know, peace and happiness. But maybe short-lived. Only last a couple hours or something like that. But yeah. You know, as long as it can't actually control you and make you go back to their planet, then that would be like a really, I don't know, profitable drug. <laughs> it would be a drug. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good episode. All right. Though. So, uh, what kind of rating did you give this episode? Uh, I gave it a solid B, you know, like okay. a solid good episode. What about you? I actually gave it an A minus. It was one oh, of, nice. like I said, one of my top five, I think, so far in season one. Yeah. Uh, I thought the pacing was really good, which we've seen some True. that are just super slow and then jump to you know warp, and it's just uh, the pacing was pretty good. The practical effects with the spores, I thought they did a pretty good job with, even though you know they didn't have a lot of other stuff to focus on because it was simple sets. But that that was good. The story I liked uh, that over the shoulder scene, like you said, there were some pretty cool camera angles that that they did. Um, only thing I didn't care for was the voiceover work was a little obvious in some scenes, yeah. uh, and that blocking of Layla in the first scene where we meet her was pretty noticeable i do want to give a shout out to frank overton who played elias in this episode he actually passed mm -hmm. away almost immediately after the episode was recorded oh wow yeah so frank overton this was his final performance sad note <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. for the first time in my life i was uh, happy all right um Jeez. what was your so here's my lesson for this episode just continue to the happiness um <laughs> okay. I, it reminded me of a line from uh peter uh kropotkin who was a, a russian philosopher struggle okay. is life uh, struggle is to live and oh, so okay. there's a okay. whole thing like where he talks about like the more you struggle the more intense your life is and stuff like that 
And I think that's kind of what it boiled down to in this too, where it's like, if you're so happy, you're not actually alive and having to fight and, and the good times and the bad times and stuff like that. That's what you need to really be living. What'd you get from it? I, I like it. That's a, that's, you know, deep, but it makes sense because when you, when you think not to get too off, off the track, but, uh, like in evolution, we see that only challenge creates, you know, the next iteration of, yeah. of, you know, life. And it's when something stops growing and changing that it that grows stagnant and dies. Right. So to grow and change is life. Uh, my message or moral was uh, joy with no free will is just ignorant slavery. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, more or less in the same realm, but that these people that are, you know, happy but don't have the free will to actually do what they want to do are just slaves. They just don't realize it. Yeah. It's like a twist uh, so, on the ignorance is bliss thing too, you know, where it's like, yeah, you guys don't know what's going on, so you're happy, but you're, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a good no, episode I all around. Exactly. I definitely suggest this because uh, you know, so Squeaks has been who you guys know from the other shows, right? Uh, he's been watching Star Trek, the newer stuff, and he's just such an uber fan now. And ah, I love it, Prodigy and stuff we like that. To, he's all into Prodigy now. We got to go to the Vegas convention sometime. I've never been to the Vegas convention. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on board with that. Let's plan it for 2023. Uh, and on a side note, we'll talk about it afterwards, but me and Daniel are talking about going to Reno in February. So that'd be good for us to go then too. Uh, nice. <laughs> so that's side. <laughs> but I was thinking Squeaks needs to be on a couple of these just to kind of experience some of the old school stuff and see yeah. if he still finds that love that he's finding now in the newer stuff. I'd like to see a mm. new Star Trek fan's perspective on Star Trek. It'd be really yeah. cool. That would be fun. Um, all right. If you don't have anything else. That's pretty uh, much we, it. Yeah. Or, that's, yeah. All right. There's not a lot of uh, well, trivia for this one. It was pretty light on the trivia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're good at looking up the trivia. Well, I have. <laughs> and, and most of the trivia is that there was a lot of flubs in production. There was a lot of misspoken lines. Um, oh, yeah. And so, and then, and then one of the trivia things is this is the first time we find out that Spock's name is actually bigger than Spock. And so, oh, wait. What is it? Yeah. It, he has what a full it? name, but uh, he just says you couldn't pronounce it. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. <laughs> I was thinking, like, wait, did they say it out loud? How uh, can I write it down? But, <laughs> no, yeah, I I, the idea is that you and I couldn't write it down. <laughs> we couldn't say yeah. it. So, but, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you like this, don't forget to subscribe at geekfreakspodcast.com and check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, everywhere, right? All the social medias. Don't go to Facebook. Uh, send- We're not using it enough. <laughs> if I'm being honest, oh, that's go true. hang out with us on TikTok. Yeah. We have a TikTok for uh, for Geek Freaks. We also have a TikTok specifically for Trek Freaks. So yeah. check them both out. Uh, send us questions. If you guys have a suggestion of the question we should ask at the top of the episode, we, we get some. We do we do read suggested ones sometimes. And Discord. Um, right now, Discord's kind of quiet because everybody's on like Christmas vacation. And I'm always just like, come on, mm-hmm. let's start talking about stuff. And everybody's just like, hey, I'm spending time with my family. I'm like, you know, spend time with me on Discord. All right. But yeah, go ahead. It's <laughs> on Discord. Uh, we will have a break pretty soon, but yeah. just so you guys know, we only have, I think, five more episodes until we're done with season one. We're going to do a season one recap after that, too. By the way, this episode um, comes out after the break, so I hope oh, you guys enjoyed the break. Just, <laughs> yeah, we just had a nice break. So I think we'll, we'll we finish the season in probably February, February or March. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, please join us uh, next week for season one, episode 25, The Devil in the Dark. Enterprise, two to beam up.